0: Right, so before we get on with the with the with the with the meaty goss. The meat the meaty goss of trash future. I have an important update for all the boys around here, which is that our special boy, uh, Michael Rotondo, um he is up to he's up to something now. So do we remember who Michael Rotondo was? He's the guy with the like the terrible shirts. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. No, he he's a,
1: not White Coke. <laughs>
2: he's
0: the, he's the, Michael he Rotundo, shirts, Michael,
3: Ro- Michael Rotundo is, um, the disgraced magician's apprentice who yeah. got kicked out of his parents' so garage. So he's like the 30,
0: Rotund? So he's the 30 year old who was living at his parents' house and he got evicted and he took his parents <laughs> to court.
3: Oh, fuck this um, guy. Oh.
1: Yeah. And, I was th- yeah. and like
0: this crazy thing happened where like he ended up on Infowars and like Alex Jones gave him like $3,000, possibly more than $3,000. And like, Alex Jones was trying to recruit him to be an InfoWars reporter. And he was like, no, I don't want the job. Not because he had any like issue with InfoWars, but because he didn't want to be he just didn't he thought that being a reporter was like too difficult. It was gonna distract time. him from his main calling. <laughs> it would distract him from his main calling. Well, he
3: is too he his, his main calling now is his pending four hundred thousand dollar lawsuit against <laughs> Best Buy.
0: Well this is yeah, so so There was a video that came out from the New York Post, which was kind of like, well, what's he up to now? Well, he's, he's, (laughs) um, where are they now? It's it's, it's
3: behind the music for
0: Michael Rotondo. (laughs) Kelly
1: McGillis and Michael Rotondo. Where are they now? Uh,
0: So, so he is living in an Airbnb just around the corner from his parents' house. Nice. Um, He helps like, he helps the woman who lives in the Airbnb Uh with like her gardening and putting up fences and stuff like that. Um, he's suing Best Buy because he basically said Best Buy ruined his life. Mm-hmm. But um, but why? <laughs> well, how did
3: Best Buy ruin his life? Because this is the best bit. Uh,
0: so, this boy. So he said that, like, you know, um, they... So I can't remember what happened with the Best Buy stuff because I'm too distracted oh. by like, something he does in the video. So what did he do at the Best Buy thing?
3: Oh, no, it's the... Um the thing is, he was. It's like, like, like the whole thing really is a lot like um, an, a late '90s Christmas movie where <laughs> he was discriminated against for being a dad. Um, yes. Yeah. Oh. Wait. Is he's it, a it dad? Yeah. yeah he's he's a single th- father. Yeah. So he, he's it, being played his, by Ice Cube.
0: <laughs> he has like a his <laughs> kid living at his parents' house no, no. before they kicked so him out. An, so he has an eight-year-old kid, right? And it lives with he lives with his ex-girlfriend. And he was complaining not only on Infowars but on this video as well that like the courts basically discriminated against him because he was a single male, a single straight male. Um, and that there was this bigger problem of like women gaining custody of like kids. and You know, the whole like, yeah. you know, you've seen it before and Alex Jones
2: Alex Jones lost the custody battle. This so, is like, <laughs>
3: cause, yeah. cause this, is babies.
2: <laughs> this is like a line which like so many of these people are like, I, I know there's this like trope of like, oh, you know, like, oh, uh, how's the divorce going? But like a lot of these people are like,
0: they're really resentful and they're resentful of family court. They they hate um, family
3: court and now Best Buy, the ally oh, of Family oh, Court. Excuse me, Your Honor.
0: <laughs> um, it's, it's
3: it's big, big family court and big best and big DVD. So in league. So
0: there's oh, yeah. a scene in this video, right? Where he's basically living Yo, I need this, another beer though. He's basically living in this bedroom and he's like learning how to do all these very basic things that he should have learned, like, when he was a teenager. Like
1: Instagramming his breakfast. Like
0: Instagramming his breakfast. And not being able to buy a house because he's bought too many avocados. Oh hell yeah! Um, so one thing, one thing that's like particularly gross in this video is when he cooks chicken in this um, in this uh, deep cooker. It's a deep cooker? Oh, it's, like it's a, a, it's,
3: it's a, it's a one pot. And so what he does no, is, is, like is a rice he, he puts like the that. cooked chicken back on the same plate with the raw chicken, which you can just tell that's Best Buy and Family Court working together to try and do cultural Marxism by killing our highest IQ George, individuals. George Soros wants to give our best boys salmonella.
0: Um, <laughs> and it's just this like really bizarre, sad video of him like hasn't really like gone on like gotten anywhere no he's gonna get rich he's out. gonna get
3: rich from Best Buy
0: um and he yeah and that's the thing oh, yeah. he's like he,
3: because they have so, they have all yeah. the all that cd money when
0: when, when, when they asked him like when, taking back all my mini discs when, when they asked him like are you gonna get a job or are you like you know are you looking for work or something he basically said no he was like I just I I work with this woman so that I can live in the house and I'm basically waiting for my Best Buy money to come in that's um, the American dream, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. waiting on a big
3: deal with Best
0: Buy. <laughs>
1: it's going to be a
4: huge
3: deal, folks. I'm making, okay. I'm making the best deals with Best Buy. Um, okay. Best Buy. Best they're, buy not, to-
1: they're not called Bad Buy, guys. Okay. They're called Best Buy. There's a reason for that. All right. So,
3: I'm, so luxuri- I'm so luxurious. I get everything from Best Buy. I get my toilet paper from Best Buy. You can't
1: yeah. even get toilet paper. Best president buy. calls it Le Best Buy. So, Alrighty.
0: solidarity with Michael Rotondo and yeah. Nate, mm-hmm. put in clip now. Check out the link we'll put it out on the website. Yo,
3: you forget, forget to, to like, like, share and subscribe. <laughs> I'm visit, visit my SoundCloud, which is just the audio for the Michael Rotundo video <laughs> And welcome back once again to Trash Future the podcast where I'm not doing the old slogan intro anymore. Oh I'm, yeah, I've I've stopped doing that because it's it's become something of a gimmick. So Why don't we
1: start every show with a haiku instead?
3: <laughs> I'm go- well, no, because <laughs> I I I barely do anything. Um, I True. I don't want to have to write a haiku. I I just want to be. I want to be by myself. I want to be left to play Civilization. I want to get pretty drunk on like on, on show beers, and I want to stop dying of this uh record-breaking uh, worldwide heat wave that's a prelude of things to come as we're all gently sauteed to death because of you know uh uh, uh d- 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 people need uh, p- plastics. Why is climate change happening again? It's not just. <laughs> i mean the
0: galaxy yeah. brain take <laughs> yeah we're an anti-climate change podcast we're, also we're, an anti- we're
3: scott no wait, welcome to our new fifth host by the way scott pruitt uh, <laughs> well, do we need to do yeah. intros by the
0: way oh yeah probably. he's gone
3: straight
1: into a new job <laughs> climate's coming home it's coming home it's coming home
0: yeah. See, um, if you're woke you'll support the free lions but if you're really woke you'll support the trillion lions you know, if you're really if you're really woke
3: if you're really woke you'll support england's newest football team four lions from the movie four lions ah, okay. one of them, them is that. lion ted <laughs> <laughs> anyway god damn it fucking milo i swear to god i'm gonna replace you with a fish um i'm i'm riley you can find me on twitter at raleigh uh i'm i'm still getting ats from people mad about uh about peeing in the beer <laughs> Oh yeah! Um, Just go to the pub in January, like a normal person. <laughs> uh, who, who else? Who else? Who else be here? I, I'm. You know what? I'm actually going to do a little differently this, this today. I'm going to introduce everybody. It's my oh, job. No. I'm the I'm the leader of the podcast. Hussein, not you?
0: You're, you're the prune mm, cat. Leader of the, of the podcast. Pack. You might be the leader, but I'm I'm the caller. <laughs> you, so, you have the
3: biggest dick energy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm like this I, whole
3: thing. By the way, like
2: this whole like, I, I was kind of like offline for a week or so, and I logged back on. Like, and everything's so <laughs> self-referential, and everyone was just like posting BBC news articles about big dick energy. I was like, okay, like, it's because, <laughs> it,
1: it's
3: because the BBC, it's it, a
2: pretty yeah. wild thing to like walk back into. So we okay, have so with this us. guy
3: called Richard Energy, right? We have is an absolute unit. <laughs> we have with us, we have with us Hussein Kesvani?
0: Hi. Are you just going to like, are you just going to yes. introduce me?
3: I'm doing it now. I'm okay. introducing
0: everybody. Okay.
3: We have Hussein Kasvani. You can follow him on Twitter at HKasvani. We have Milo Edwards. You can follow him on Twitter at Milo underscore Edwards. He's true. still back from Russia. Fraser Watt is sitting in, who you may remember from never having been on this podcast or under his own name before, <laughs> but, but has been on.
2: Yeah, you can find me at, uh, Fraser, at Fraser Watt on Twitter. That's one T because the one with two T's is actually a Russian bot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's down it, for yeah. it's, yeah. it, it's,
3: it's posted like three times in the last like four years. It's really annoying. I want that account. And then mm. our special, our special guest, Big Boy Canada, fucking the only six god I represent, represent respect. George, That's the Jordan, one, Jordan
4: Peterson, right here.
3: <laughs> my, man, my man, my man, Luke Jordan Peterson, Savage journalist and uh, Jordan No Peterson, and, and and leftist Canada poster extraordinaire, podcast host. He's the works.
4: What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Who Thank in Canada you.
0: isn't? I, <laughs> who in who in Toronto like isn't a podcast host?
4: I'm a podcast uh, I, host. Actually, I think I think podcasting is sort of just arrived in in Canada. I think it's pretty new. Uh, like uh, we're due for irony arriving here. That's probably in the next six yeah. to twelve months. It's not here yet. Oh
0: God! Should we go to do a tour in Canada? <laughs> <laughs> the Brown Peterson tour.
3: Yeah, we can we can we can bring all of our like, like esoteric British politics takes. They'll love it. Oh yeah. So uh, I have one one dumb Silicon Valley thing, a bunch of British politics stuff, uh, and and Luke knows actually about British politics because he's here a bunch. Um, Ooh, uh poor thing. It's the <laughs> I'm so sorry you have to know about this, <laughs> and then uh, we're gonna get into some Ontario politics, uh, my home. Hell yeah, area. My home area, um, which is now under the grip of a very cool dude, extremely cool guy. And any initial thoughts on 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 our friend Douglas before we jump into all the content?
4: It's uh, I don't know. It's pretty bad. Like you know, I, you know, in these in these perilous times, I find like I often oscillate pretty hard back and forth between like. Extreme irony that I use to try to like make myself feel better and just utter terror. And I think today I'm sort of back on the like terror part of the cycle. I don't know. It's, it's, fuck, uh, we scheduled you for the right wrong back. day.
3: <laughs> we were trying to get you on an irony day. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, sorry, but that 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 might be tomorrow. I don't know. It's, um, like it was, there was this really weird purgatory after the election where we we're like, holy fuck, Doug Ford actually won. But then there was like these two or three blissful weeks where nothing was actually happening cuz like the new government hadn't been sworn in yet. And then this week things really started, you know, I don't know, kicking into high gear like, you know, they're like uh they're like withdrawing cooperation on asylum seekers, like uh turns out Doug Ford uh seems to have gotten himself like personally involved in some way in like stopping a homeless shelter getting built that was like near his mother's house.
1: Oh, so just you know, like Jeff Bezos. Doug Ford like chaining himself to the fence in front of a home. It's like,
4: no homes for the homeless. <laughs> well, well, you guys should look after. There's a famous clip of the late, great Rob Ford, Rest in Power, um, talking about a homeless shelter. Like there was a consultation or something for a homeless shelter it was going to be built in his ward. And he stood up in city council and like, you have never seen a man this mad. He is like so righteously angry at the idea of a homeless shelter being built in his ward. It's like, so anyway, we can't have more homeless. They'll buy all the crack, And then what will I smoke?
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, so he's like the like equally awful but straight edge brother of the old mayor.
4: He's a little more he's a little more with it. Like he's all he's often been seen as like the competent one. Like they're both like uh they're both rich so, boys, wait, so, right? Sorry. And they inca- they they inherited their daddy's business. Which makes like little labels, like you know when you go to the uh, the supermarket or the Tescos, as you guys would say, and you know you buy like meat and it has like a little label on it. Like they make that, and apparently that's a really lucrative business. So they inherited that, Mm. but apparently like Rob Ford didn't really do anything because he didn't really have much of a business savvy. Whereas like. Doug was the guy doing all the heavy lifting, like the signing of the checks and all the other hard work that's involved in like inheriting your dad's business. So yeah, he's a little more like... Getting
3: RSI from
1: signing all the checks.
4: I I mean, it's just just like the Chuckle Brothers, really, right?
3: No, I was going to say, he's He's Laurel to Rob Ford's Hardy, Ah. essentially. Mm -hmm. Hang on, Um, which one of the Chuckle Brothers was on crack? crack. (laughs) But but (laughs) that's... Paul Barry, answer. That's that's the intro. We're going to be talking about Ontario's reactionary government after we run through... Uh, some other terrible dumb After shit. After this message
1: from our sponsor. After
3: this message from our sponsor, Elon Musk, who has decided he's going to save the Thai boys in the cave. Oh, hell yeah. Basically, uh, Elon Musk has, as far as I can tell, decided that he's going to approach the problem of um, the, 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 the Thai sort of early teenage soccer team stranded in a cave below like lots of water and craggy rocks and sharp edges and whatever. Um, by... Uh, 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 filling a bouncy castle, uh, uh, like a long bouncy castle into the cave because he uh, is an experienced tunneler who has almost two years of owning a company that's themed around tunneling and hasn't done any tunneling.
1: Elon Musk is actually a
3: mole. Uh, A
1: lot of people don't know that. Yeah. I mean, like, it's one of those things where you know Elon Musk does does know some things about engineering. I know nothing about engineering, so I'm not going to necessarily say that I don't I don't know how you should rescue boys out of an underwater cave. That's not really my special like they didn't really come up. I mean during... you should leave it to professionals, right? Yeah, I mean that's definitely <laughs> that's, that's step definitely one. right. Yeah, step yeah. one. Step that one it to professional boy rescuers? Yeah, but not pro- maybe not professional. Um- not if they have like long hair and are wearing a satin
3: tracksuit. <laughs> 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 That's the thing. Why, why are we gonna le- like if, if, uh, now? Then now? Then
1: now? Then what's it with all these boys in a cave? Like no, <laughs> anyone like that don't. don't let it's, it's, them. It's,
3: it's, if Elon, if Elon Musk is gonna do it, like I'm sure it, the, he's gonna be very safe and careful about it, just like he is with his factories.
1: oh yeah. But it would be better for the boys to die in a sort of Laurel and Hardy-style accident than just by asphyxiating in a cave. Like, yeah, they got them all the way out of the cave and then a piano fell on them.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And again, it's... through uh, underwater passages that are 70 centimetres in diameter is to insert a one-metre diameter uh, bouncy castle tube. I mean, like, the wildest thing about this whole, like, plan he's come up with is, like, it's only
2: via tweets. It's just, like, him, like, one-handedly toilet-tweeting stuff, like, maybe worth trying, and then, like, some stuff, and it's, like... He's subtweeting <laughs> the Thai government. <laughs> and, and it's, like, maybe... Com- like... He's not even sure about it. He's like, there are probably many complexities that are hard to appreciate without being there in person. Like, this isn't his area of
1: expertise. <laughs> have you tried switching the cave <laughs> off and on again?
2: <laughs> and, then, and then obviously, like he'll tweet at the Thai government, and you have loads of people in like the replies to his tweet being like, Wow, like just arguing over whether he's more like Bruce Wayne or Tony Stark. It's like the dumbest uh... time to be alive ever. <laughs> exactly. And then someone else is like he has Spider-Man sense of humor. It's like there are like children trapped in a tunnel and they're like, oh yeah, but like Spider-Man? The, the, yeah, the, the only bl-
4: the only thing worse than Elon Musk tweets are the really like earnest, impressed replies to the tweets, like from, from, oh, from yes. his fans. Because th- those people, like it's hard to believe they actually exist.
0: He
1: actually has, like, a more insane fandom than, like, One Direction. (laughs) But but ironically, they're all the people who would think that, like, the One Direction fans are, like, gay as hell. That would be, like, they'd take, like, the, no, they're for, like, little girls. I'm, like, a cool, I know about science. I, like, I follow I fucking love science on Facebook. And I like (laughs) Elon Musk, because he's, like, Iron Man or Spider-Man or some shit that isn't real. I mean, this
2: is, like, the only real horseshoe theory, right?
1: Like, uh, Mm. One Direction and Elon (laughs) (laughs) Musk. No, I'm saying uh, that the One brilliant. Direction fans are way smarter than the Elon Musk <laughs> oh, fans.
0: Yeah, like, the One Direction fans are, like, a lot... Like, at least they, they have a certain degree of, like, self-awareness. At least
1: right? they understand what sphere One Direction operate in. Like, no one's, like, tweeting at Harry Styles. Like, please, <laughs> raise the One Direction signal. Harry Styles... <laughs> now, that's something I'd watch. Harry Styles saves the tie boys in the cave. <laughs> Ties his fucking hair back.
3: Swims well, it's down the, it's, there. It's the... What I and he like breastfeeds them when he gets them out. But what I what I love about this is like it's just our entire our entire society for the last sort of, I don't know, 40 years, ever since the 70s, has been dedicated to kind of Biddy building ideas. up and flatter and flattering people like Musk to the point where he genuinely believes that with his fucking with with a bouncy castle, he's going to be able to like, you know basically do an impossible feat of engineering because he has a company that has a pun. I just
1: imagining a bored man with a van shouting at the kids in the cave, take your shoes off.
2: No I mean, like, pushing. <laughs> I mean that's the worst thing about it all is that like the boring company wasn't a good joke before he copyrighted copyrighted it. And nothing becomes more funnier once you like legally put it into like copyright. Um it's no. yeah it's
3: his whole approach to building shit is like I'm basically going to pour a bunch of money into stuff that's going to be able to fail all the time. I'm going to
1: sell Mike Cernovich a flamethrower. That was the whole and, point. And,
3: and then, and and you know, it's just he's got this mindset. Where he's like, yeah, I can, I can, I can rescue these twelve children. I have a wacky idea. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna do my Willy Wonka thing, and then you know. They're the adventures all, and no, it's of Elon a, Musk a, it's a, and Muttley. A, they're all, it's that he's going to put in his bouncy house, and then like it's going to expand and expand and expand, and then it's going to be like, oh, no, okay, a couple of children were crushed against the wall, but we did manage to save their phones.
2: I mean, yeah, it's like the Challenger disaster part two. Some point in the next like couple of years, it's like directly going to be Elon Musk's fault. I
3: cannot wait until Elon Musk takes over all the public transportation, and then the question isn't, "Will we have another Challenger disaster?" The question becomes, "How many Challenger disasters do we have per day?" You
1: know, the question will be, "How many like special edition comics are on board the Challenger disaster when it blows up?" <laughs> it would be. It
4: how would, many, be it like, would be great if, if Elon Musk like invented some stupid contraption to rescue the kids, and then accidentally, it's like, "Well, we didn't." rescue them but we did send them all into space.
3: <laughs> all right, that's the capper on that segment. Uh Luke, thank you for being thank you for being the uh the, the swift assassin on that one. Um we're going to we're going to I got I got two more bits of British politics I want to run through and then we're going to go back to Ford Nation. Um so as we as we as, as well as our, our British listeners will know as our American listeners might not um, one of the last like, affordable um, shopping centres in all of central London, uh, in the neighbourhood of Elephant and Castle, is basically, has, it, it's been um, condemned uh, to destruction at this point to make way for... That sounds like a it. new metal album, wait condemned for it. to destruction. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait for it. What's it going to be replaced with? Luxury flats.
1: Oh, hell yeah. London's really short of luxury flats. Thank I wish God. there were more.
0: It's the one thing that it definitely needs more. Of. Have you? Have you ever? You've been. I guess. I guess we've all been to the Elephant and Castle shopping centre, right? I I never have. Who goes <laughs> to Elephant okay, so I Castle. actually <laughs> haven't. Does that make me a bad leftist? <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> it, no. it's we're really showing our asses. So let me describe. you exactly
1: the same as all the other let leftists. Me, let,
0: <laughs> let me describe the Elephant and Castle shopping centre because I go through it most mornings on my way to work. And I, saying is a
1: man of the people, um, the Caliph. And be, and
0: because yeah, and, there, and and therefore that does make me working class. He sees his um, subjects. Uh, it's a very, it's it's a very interesting place because like it does sort of feel like a dystope. It feels like you've kind of stepped back in time sort of, right? So if you go into the shopping center, you know, you're not going to find like H&Ms and Primarks and stuff. You're going to find like, you know, discount clothing stores where most of the stuff, um, you know, comes from, uh, you know most most of most of it's like knockoffs from like pakistan and oh stuff, no right? that's
3: where i think that's where uba butler went shopping before faking that he was a fashionista in paris fashion week
0: okay, so he went to a market but a lot of the clothes that go to those but a lot of the clothes that you see in the markets are also sold in there as well I gotcha. um you know there's a lot of like empty space because there's a lot of like shops that have closed down there's a couple of like cafes that have been going for a long time and there's also like like you know internet cafes and like a couple of learning centers so like the busiest places in that shopping center are learning centers where like the local like local people within the area can go like pick up new skills or like you know basically equip themselves to find new jobs elephant in castle is a very interesting place because opposite that shopping center is like all the art schools so you've got like the london college of arts i think there's another one there as well and immediately like outside you see like the huge building, you know, these huge like luxury flats. They basically, like, dominate the elephant in Castle, Castle Skyline. So it's, like, this really kind of strange juxtaposition. And I think that's kind of what's made this, you know, made this thing so powerful. Um, you know, the fact that you can basically see what the consequence of this is going to be. Um, all the kind of, like, small markets around that shopping centre where they sell, like, fruits, vegetables. Um, they have, like, a very lively Saturday market. Um, you know, that will all, like, go if they're going to, like, do this development. So, like, a lot of the stuff that, like, makes this local area, like, a local area is going to go just to kind of make it, like, another generic part of London. um. And this is where, like, the elephant... In- and I don't know, have you seen, like, the plans for, like, what this... Well, they- they're going to, like, make... I, I- they take, like, shipping containers, I've right? got the...
3: Uh, I actually have it in front of me. Um, oh, it is containers. that the, um, the-, the council's policy on new developments is that it should be 35% affordable housing with 50% at social rents. However, um, what's happened is that in the sort of selling off of this, of this estate uh, that includes this, this shopping center, um, the approved project includes like two-thirds of the affordable housing required. So it's, it's not even replacing a place that had community with a place people couldn't afford to live. It's replacing community with yet more um, luxury flats, which, which again, thank God.
1: But, but Riley, I mean, if I live in a luxury flat on Elephant and Castle, what else should I look at apart from other luxury flats, right? That's, that's the what expectation. You exactly, yeah. I bought the opportunity to be in a luxury flat and look at another luxury flat, which is basically right. a kind of luxury flat threesome.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so that's, um, that's the situation that we have, which is there is yet another tale of London being made shittier uh, by so-called regeneration. And can we talk
0: about like the, the actual flats themselves? Because I don't I know mean, if you I, know. I mean, I know nothing about My hot
3: water has been off for
0: weeks. <laughs> 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 luxury my anus. So, so, wait, so there's what? like There's like I <laughs> you know, there's a serious point in this about like how poorly like these new builds are actually made, right? So I've got friends who like live in new builds, like whether they bought them, whether they live them and live in them and stuff. And like, you know, you go into the flat and everything looks like really nice and well done. But in order to kind of meet the demands that developers put, that um, local government puts on property developers, they kind of like build these luxury flats like very, very quickly and very, very cheaply as well. So you're also creating like really shitty housing too, right? Stuff that like, you know, rich people will be able to live in for like maybe two, three years, then sell off their portion, you know, because their argument is that, you know, this housing can be used for like a long time and we can kind of, you know, as time goes on and people move out, we can, you know, increase the level of social housing. Which I don't know whether that's the case in Elephant and Castle, but that's definitely been kind of said in areas of like Lambeth and areas of um, North, like North London.
3: It, it, I love how it's worked out that way every time.
0: Yeah,
4: yeah. So, so, so I love sorry. how it's worked so out that way. So the argument is that they're going to build these luxury flats for, I guess, to house like wealthy centrist news Management newspaper columnists or something. And then after two or three years, they're going to fall apart, and then poor people can have them? Like, that's the argument for these? Well, they don't want to admit that, like, it's going to fall apart, right? Right. But,
0: you know, even property, de- de- even property developers kind of say that, like, you should not be looking at, like, buying new build flats unless, like, you really have to. Yeah. So even they kind of lack faith in, like, how solid this I- so, like, build these like solid flats are like on? a
1: sort of pinata, <laughs> and the poor people should be smashing them with baseball bats <laughs> until the rich people fall out and then they can go <laughs> and live inside them.
3: Yes,
0: yes, that's
3: exactly it's what should like
1: doing. it's just like you're
0: building property of like really really cheap and shitty material. Well, that's why you're love- kind of getting rid of like long entrenched communities in order to do so.
3: Yeah, that's what I love. That's what I love the most actually about the private housing market. Is that you pick what you love the most? I mean, yeah. (laughs) Oh, is just, you know, it's if we didn't have the profit incentive, then how would we create a a plastic modular kitchen that, you know, falls apart if you look at it? It's my right under capitalism to live in a house that's made out of cardboard and gum. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? It's I love to support the genius billionaires who are putting it all together for me. Like love to support my own house.
4: That's the thing. Down.
3: <laughs> I mean, I think it's like, so this has happened
2: across London, obviously, but it's like there are, so in Harringay, right? Right. Oh yeah. There's a uh, block of flats. I can't remember whereabouts in Harringay, but it's essentially like HDV bitch. Uh, oh no, no, no. This is like a completely different thing to HDV. So there was, um, there's a state which was inspected and was deemed to be like, unsuitable like condemned for like you it's like literally unsafe to live in um by law rightfully actually like they had to sort of like you know it had to be rebuilt in some way uh now that the obviously there was the whole like scare stories last year it's like oh there's this big purge of the left it's like bullying because people were like electing to have different councils whatever so this is now really with the exception of like uh a couple of places outside of London, which people don't really pay attention to because all the journalists are in London. Um, this is like the first like Corbyn Easter uh, council, right? Um, so what they have done is they have done things like, oh, it has to be like replaced for like for like. Everyone gets right for return. Um, you know, like the rent is going to stay the same. Obviously, if they have to upgrade for like more rooms, it like, increases a bit. But like, there is going to be not rent caps, but you know, you're going to be paying the same for the same thing as was before. But when this gets rebuilt, it won't be illegal to put people in there because it's falling apart, basically. Mm-hmm. So, like, even under, like, the current system, there is a sort of, like, less shitty way of doing it. Just it's a failure of the Labour left not to clear these people out. I mean, like, clear the councillors out, not yeah. the people yeah. who've <laughs>
3: there. Oh, no. <laughs> well, actually, that, that, brings, that brings me... We kind of buried the lead on this one um, because Neil, Co- Neil Coyle... Just one of the best backbench Labour MPs. He's up there with Jess Phillips and John Woodcock of just real the quality labor <laughs> MP John Woodcock. Ah, oh, I'm so happy! I'm so happy about that every day. Still,
1: still, still sitting MP for ISIS though.
3: <laughs> Justice and Development MP John Woodcock. No, it's um, I, I, it's Neil, but no, Neil Coyle is up there. He's like almost as good as Sarah Champion. Um what names these people have Neil Coyle (laughs) and Sarah champion John Woodcock or penis 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 as well yeah Uh, one of the one of the Faraday labor branch uh very rightfully condemned uh the the council's basically decision to um turn more uh, of London into pretz and and luxury flats that are never occupied um and they, they did so by sort of making criticism under the law and of the plan uh and Neil Coyle's response is, what a sad bunch of bullies. Shameful Classic. treatment of a, wait for it, white working class woman counselor. I'm sorry, white, comma, working class. <laughs> Shameful yeah. treatment of a white
2: counselor. <laughs> Caps lock, white, working class.
4: <laughs> uh, have these people it's, no it's race never, loyalty? By the way, when, this is like when-
2: Bermzy, right? So...
4: I was just saying, it's never a good sign when, when, like, an MP tweets something like that and, like, if you were, you know, an out-of-towner, you wouldn't know if they were Labour or UKIP.
2: (laughs) Also, like, Neil Coyle is the MP for Bermondsey, right? This isn't, like, you know, like, I don't know, Surrey somewhere. You know, this isn't, like, Horsham Town. This is, like, a very diverse place. So for him to be, like, it's, like... It's it's a weird thing to say, right? But even in, like, the most sort of, like... Um, if, if you're going to give him like as much leeway as you possibly can, like the best thing you can say about it is that it's weird.
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. you know, shameful treatment of this of, of 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 this working class female counselor who, by the way, is five foot eight. <laughs> it's, also, yeah. like the bullying thing, like the thing with yeah. the
2: Labour right to this day, and like the Labour Party as a whole, like pre 2015. Is like the like most sycophantic and like dumb people like raised to the oh, top. Yeah. Like I, I mean meritocracy. So so like obviously I am older now, but when I was like young enough to be included as like young labour, I was on a young labour right wing dominated young labour committee where the left were accused of quote-unquote, demonizing landlords. Uh, The person who said
4: that is now a councillor in London. (laughs) (laughs) Landlord is a slur. (laughs) It's great Uh, great how, like, like, amidst all the political turmoil of Brexit and whatever, there's, like, every three or four weeks, my impression of UK politics is that there's just, like, a regularly scheduled moral panic because, like, leftists on Twitter are calling people, like, a melt or a gammon or centrist dad... (laughs) Like,
3: oh yeah
1: like
4: Britain yep. has the the tweest most like sensitive political class in the world
3: they called me a centrist ham Lord <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because
4: they're look I've said this before and I'll say it
3: again is that liberals are fundamentally positivist and so when they think that they have some exclusive claim to knowledge that's somehow totemic and that there it can just be known and that any liberal, Believes that the ideal political party would just get a hundred percent of the vote. The form of the political party, yeah, and so we and, inhabit the cave. And so they they see dis they basically see disagree like liberals see any kind of disagreement with them as like personal because they don't understand how anyone could be ideologically different from them.
2: I mean, it's psychological, right? Like the entire Labour right came up through Labour students, uh, uh, so they were the kind of people to wear suits to like. Freshers Week? Like, you know, like, these are the kind of people that we're, like, dealing with? Wait, wait,
1: you saying there are people who didn't do that?
0: (laughs) Bear in mind that these guys went to Oxbridge, so... Sorry for. I like Hussein who went to the most Tory lane. university yeah. of all. You, Mark you to wear a suits, slur. I wore them by choice, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you have the audacity to come to me for help now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, you were out partying. I studied for eighteen hours at a time. <laughs> I studied the suit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I tidied my room. Yeah, yeah, no.
3: So, um, yeah. Anyway, Neil, Neil, <laughs> Neil Coyle, just really showing out well Coiling for the party here. Just yeah, relax. Really, like, deselect Yeah, him. deselect, Too fucking true. get rid. There is a conference going to the
2: 2019 Labour Party National Conference on mandatory reselection of
1: MPs. Mm. Yeah. Just saying, just saying. When girls on Tinder don't get my jokes, I just type in deselected before I <laughs> <laughs> match them. And you say, what a, what a sad bully you are. <laughs>
0: what a sad bully you are. Shameless treatment. Bullying,
1: bullying a white middle-class man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> in a suit, no lats.
1: Yeah. You can't see this, but I am wearing
3: a suit. Believe me. (laughs) Dude, you're wearing a shirt of a guy picking his nose. And also a fancy watch. Fuck off with that. It's my dad's watch. Laura's going to call us a liberal again. No, liberal. It's not just a liberal. So don't don't pretend
1: to me that you don't have fancy taste in things. You have far fancier taste than I do. I do not have fancy taste. You earn taste. like 10 times as much money than me and you always have less disposable income. Fancier than me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's because I invest in various futures. Like You're the only person I know who like, has three syllable cheeses in their fridge regularly. I invest in
3: tracksuits. <laughs> I made some serious. <laughs> like three. St. Ilton. Mm. The tracksuit market <laughs> is very bullish. I've, I've, I've invested in tracksuit futures. Um like no. light,
1: it's actually just three lines on a graph going up and down. <laughs> <laughs> I,
3: I think. I think to clo- to, to just to, to to close this particular topic, right? That Neil Coyle has the same idea of um, what Labor's constituency sort of naturally ought to be, as the Economist which also recently published an article today called Labour is No Longer the Party of the Traditional Working Class. And when they say- Oh,
1: I love the traditional working class, Mary (laughs) Poppins. Exactly. Well, it's,
3: I mean, they use that model where it's
2: like, it's like ABC1 and like wherever, where it's like accountants are working class, but like people who work like on zero hour contracts in, you know, like supermarket are middle class. Like that is like the definition of, I I think it's like from the, like the 40s or something. Yeah, And it's like- if, if that's your definition of like what's middle or working class, then like
1: you're mad well yeah it's a <laughs> Morganorgan wants to introduce a tax on people jumping up and clicking their heels together
3: in the air <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's a it's a neil 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 coyle and The economist together both see the working class basically as um you know a, a ruddy faced coal miners and and not you know like graphic designers on zero hours contracts who are struggling to pay their rent in zone three right like it's, it's, it's like the, the liberal idea of what the working class is, is so incredibly um, moment of silence. The, the, of people the, the, zone zone the liberal three.
4: idea of class is like class is a lifestyle choice. Like they only understand it in relation to these cultural signifiers. So the only way to be like correctly working class is, yeah, like to be like a coal miner in the 1950s, like living in Yorkshire, right? Whereas, like you know, like class, like it all goes back to that David Brooks taco article, right? Did you guys see that? Oh, I, I, I read it.
1: Where? I read. The, is this the wait, David? Has Brooks, David Brooks written a bad thing?
3: Wait, was this the? Was this the? Unless, are we talking about the David Brooks? Um, uh, f- afraid of prosciutto article, or is this a different That's right. David Brent yeah, article? Yeah, the afraid
4: of prosciutto article, where so yeah, he, and his, he and his friend, who I who I guess was of uh, you know less noble breeding or whatever, no, he he not recognize anyone's Prosciutto, He's
1: crazy. He's nuts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so
4: she she didn't recognize any of the trendy Italian like words on the menu. So then he's kind of almost getting to a point where he's like, oh wait a minute, we live in a stratified society. But then in his solution, instead of you know, fully automated luxury socialism is. Oh, we'll go and get tacos instead because that's like a plebeian <laughs> cuisine that she can understand.
3: Well, yeah, it's the um, and that's the other thing, right? It's like it's the because their idea of class is all cultural signifiers. Then, like you know, someone who is like Rob Ford can be seen as working class because he's like I, I don't because I, he's like I don't know Italian meats. You know what I know is bologna sandwiches, like my mother <laughs> used to make me.
2: I mean, it's the new statesman's like favorite take, right? Like anyone who drinks. You know, one pound coffee is middle class, but like a lot of soup. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 the whole like coffee is middle class thing is just what
1: like. what ones do you prefer <laughs> in your coffee?
3: <laughs> it's 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 a class is a cultural choice rather than an economic reality. And for Neil Coyle and for The Economist, class is a cultural choice. And so the Elephant and Castle development is just oh you're some kind it's, oh you just you you just you're just against a, a working class woman who's white by the way getting her way. Um, because actually you're the real sexist. All the working class people
4: who are moving into luxury flats. Also, <laughs> <laughs> well, like, why, the, the, why, the, why like, does the economist just all of a sudden world? care about the working class? You know, the tone of that article was so kind of like concern trolley like, oh, labor's not the party of the working class, like single tier...
3: It's like, it's like, it's like, that's the thing is like the not, the services industry is now 80% of Britain's economy. So fucking, of course, no one has coal on their face anymore because the working class are doing things that you would have imagined in the 1990s. as like the, the professional co- the class. center
2: workers. Like, yeah. They, uh, yeah. They're, they're, they're like the, I mean, I, I don't hate myself, so I didn't read the article, but like, what was their,
3: like, what was their solution? Like, was it? Like- oh, no, they're, it was, they were just doing a little bit of anthropology. They were, just say, they were just saying that, hey, you know what? Actually, Corbyn's a middle-class candidate because he's from Islington and grew up on the yeah, one of the, like, which has, oh, like, one of the no highest like, rates of
2: poverty in Islington. In, yeah, it's like Islington, which has, like, one of the highest rates of poverty in, like, Britain. Yeah.
3: Yeah. No, it's, it's, it, it, is, it is just absolutely- it does also
1: have one of the highest
3: rates of wankers, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I definitely mean, know where tics, people are right? coming <laughs> from. <Yeah. laughs> Ooh, baby. Okay we I have one. We have. I have one more British thing, which I want to run through real fast, and then we're going to go transatlantic. Which mm-hmm. is that Theresa May. Right by the way, uh, Fraser was the assassin on that one. Thank you. Um, nice. Which is uh, that Theresa May has decided uh, to um, have uh, her a uh, uh, cabinet meeting on on sort of the terms of the Brexit deal they're going to negotiate, which um, includes certain certain parts of membership of the EEA. Uh, a rejection of the single, a rejection of freedom of movement. Will cheese still be allowed? And is utterly unacceptable yeah. to the European Commission. They've already made that clear. Uh, but they're having the meeting anyway uh, at Checkers, um, which is very hard to hard to reach.
1: Oh, this is a bit like you know, like when the NUS has one of those meetings about whether they approve of like Israel or not. And it's like, well, <laughs> you don't really get to decide. <laughs> it's like we decide what what will be good for the European Commission. Where the European Commission already said no. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, so uh, essentially, uh, the 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 thing I want to highlight about this, uh, you know, we all know the deal won't work, but uh, the deal is not hard enough for Boris Johnson. Uh, I mean, it's not hard enough for me, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've gone on the record as like but a full blown oh, like, yeah. but they're thumbing yeah. it in anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Where uh, essentially the um they they have, they're basically driving everybody into the countryside, and then if they don't agree with the with the deal and resign their position as a front bench minister, then they will lose their ministerial cars and be stranded.
1: So when they come in, everyone has to put the keys to their ministerial (laughs) car in the bowl.
3: (laughs)
2: Okay, so like, my take on this is that the problem with that entire sort of like strategy is that they're members of the Conservative Party. If Corbyn did the next Parliamentary Labour Party meeting like that, I would be very happy. Oh yeah. (laughs) Just like leave
3: Jess Phillips and Chuck Chukumna like stranded in, I don't know, like, the Lake District or something. Oh right. no! I'm, I'm very uh, look. Don't get me wrong. I'm very excited for Buckinghamshire Love Island.
1: <laughs> uh, Chukram and a triathloning his way back to London.
3: <laughs> God, I, f- I hate every. It, wait, this almost is every Tory MP. Love
1: Island, isn't it? Yeah, like, it's Tory Love Island. Island
3: like uh, Ian
1: Duncan Smith looking like coquettishly at David Davis across the long yeah. now deserted table.
3: No, a David. David. No, David Davis would couple up with Esther McVeigh. David Davis going like,
1: I'm not a slut, all right. I'm not a slut, but like there is something there. So I just want to see, like, you know, she's got a cracking personality. She's got a good bod. I just want to know what's going on there.
3: Is that your impression of like an... What's that even... My impression of David Davis.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What are you implying, Riley? That's not a good impression of David Davis. David
0: Davis on Love Island.
1: My Uh, question to you, listeners, do any of you know what David Davis sounds
3: like? No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, you don't. Don't write in. Milo Milo here
3: suggesting the concept of truth is philosophically controversial. I mean, it is. It is. It's not wrong. Yeah, concept of truth is very controversial to David Davis, <laughs> who doesn't even know what truth is. No, oh um, no, he is SAS trained. You know, so to take people yeah, out. So I was like, I was just, oh, I was yeah. just, I was just thinking, like, because oh my God, of- David <laughs> Davis gets stranded, he's gonna go full Rambo so and he's cut everyone's be drinking, fucking throat. He's gonna be drinking his own piss, <laughs>
1: <laughs> crouching in a layby and garroting a trucker. <laughs>
2: Like, I'm not good with names, and also all these people look exactly the same. So, like, I can't tell them apart. But this is the guy who, um, so he was like running some spiel about how he's, you know, best, like, place to do all this because he's like, he was in the army once, uh, which is like, you know, it's a bit from like the UK office, pretty Mm -hmm. much. Uh, And then, like, some journalist was like, oh, yeah, I was at like some journalist party with him, and he was just like looking out into the horizon, and we were like, oh, what are you looking at? And he's like, Oh, I'm just like surveying the territory for you know if we were to be like invaded,
3: and he's trying to do this like big hard man like. No, no, what's that
1: amazing article
3: he's, about? He's when... guy, he guy who practices with his katana in the university quad. No, well, no there was, he that, is. There was he's that, like that
1: amazing one of those, like, article. anime guys at
2: school. Yeah. Like- yeah, he's an anime guy. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I learned how offense
1: to fence. So, <laughs> yeah. There was that, there was that amazing article very, where someone got I'm a very quote. Offended. Someone got a quote from someone who was in the territorial, the territorial SAS. Like the SAS only does like overseas operations, but he was in the territorial SAS. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> special forces, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. who's a father for justice?
3: <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't tell him
1: Pike. Um, but yeah, the, the, there was someone who was in there with him who said that when he was commanding this like platoon of t- Territory, let's say it's on an exercise. <laughs> yes. He got them to like to ambush by crouching on either side of a road so that when they popped up to shoot the enemy, they would just shoot at each other. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is
3: something that would like only work on Age of Empires. Only, I mean, no, <laughs> it would only work in Age of Empires, the Tory cabinet. It's Brexit, please. It's, it's, no. it's incredible that all of these people are being stranded in a situation like the young adult novel series Hatchet. Yeah. I cannot wait for them to have you know, to survive by you themselves. You know, your
1: politics is a good idea when you have to threaten members of your own party into agreeing <laughs> with it by saying you won't give them a lift home.
2: <laughs> also, like, all of it's these people It's something your dad does. Like, yeah. they,
3: they,
4: they, like, get one of those, like, Uber executives. Holy There's, shit, like, oh, they, they're all millionaires.
3: Anyway, that's Britain. Luke, how's Ontario?
4: <laughs> oh, man, it's, uh... It's it's much the same. It's really hot. Everyone's watching soccer and uh there is a reactionary right-wing government in power. So the Ontarians uh, is You guys would feel very at home here.
3: Ontarians yeah. So we've we've heard a little bit we've <laughs> I heard that would be a sane speed. <laughs> we we've heard a little bit about um about Doug Ford. Um how, so just a little bit of background. Like how did he how do you think that basically like Again, because this is so Canadian, right? Which is that all, because there a lot of a lot of the Trump comparisons that people tend to draw, I think, are really stupid. Like anyone who compares um, a, 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 a Lopez Obrador to Trump, I think, is a complete smooth brain.
1: Yeah, because does um, he tweet in block caps?
3: No. <laughs> Right, like, I, I, like I think anyone who compares Corbyn to Trump is a smooth brain. Bernie to Trump is a smooth brain, etc. Doug Ford is actually comparable to Trump, right?
4: Yeah, I mean, like, the only thing I don't like about the comparison is just it's part of this thing in Canada where we sort of have no political imagination that's our own, so we have to compare everything. Like everything is has an American analog, and part of that is sort of like. um how American liberals are obsessed with painting Trump as like, as like somehow uh, a phenomena, in, you know, phenomenon imposed by Russia because they refuse to grapple with the fact that their own society and culture and politics like produced this. So yeah, Doug Ford is like Trump in some ways, but he's also like very very uh, Canadian, you know.
3: So yeah, how how is he especially Canadian? This this Doug Ford phenomenon. And then I kind of want to ask you what he's intending to do.
4: Sure. Well, he's, uh, I mean, he's Canadian just in the sense that he is very uh, provincial. Like he has all the same gaudiness uh, and sort of like exaggerated behavior as Trump and the sort of like, you know, self-conscious embrace of anti-intellectualism and all that kind of stuff. But then just imagine that, but on the scale of like, a small and kind of modest suburb, you know? It's a like that's, says, oh, that's, what, that's what Doug Ford is.
3: You know what it is? Doug Ford isn't Trump. Doug Ford's a Trump voter.
4: Yeah, that's exactly right. Like is I think uh, uh, you know, there's this whole narrative, you, might about, as well. you know, which I'm sure you guys have talked about, uh, you know, in the United States around like the white working class and how they're to blame for Trump. And then like, you know, whereas like, you know, the the average Trump voter is much more just like. You know, an upper middle class person uh, with, you know, maybe a college degree and a mean streak. Like if you guys have ever seen like this sort of alt-right piss. home improvement where Tim Allen, it's I think it's called Last Man Standing, where Tim Allen plays like, you know, this uh, conservative dad that works at a sporting goods store, you know, and is just like effortlessly makes six figures, like not even being the manager of the sporting goods store. Um like we well, have right? Trump voters like, and yeah, Doug Ford is pretty much that, except with like labels that go on, you know, food packets. so in in, in Ontario,
3: that's what we have. And I think the one of the things to remember is that doug is that doug ford's Doug, doug Ford's fatter, dumber, thankfully deader brother, uh, Rob, was elected by almost a perfect divide of the suburbs versus downtown. On the basis, again, that downtown contains all the elites and the suburbs contain all the working class, despite the fact that the suburbs are actually made up of, like, people who own boutique IT consultancies or whatever, who will help you set up Salesforce, but, like, hate all the Indians they employ.
4: Yeah, I mean, like, you know, the, that that sort of, uh, I don't know, you know, lower income, you know, kind of suburban voter does exist, and it backs, you know, it backs the Rob Ford mayoralty. The thing is, so did all the rich people like this, like all the all the rich people that will vote for whoever the most conservative candidate, you know, is in every election. Of course, like they voted, uh, you know, it's it's like it's like you, you know, it's like a cross class coalition between like, you know, angry, racist, poor people and angry, racist, rich people. You know, yeah. Voting for a man in a flat cap who
1: dresses like Rupert the Bear. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, at the end of the day, it's like the same thing with like uh, Corbyn in the twenty seventeen election. It's the same thing with like a Cortez Cartez in the uh, I'm probably like butchering that New pronunciation. York 14th yeah, yeah, in the, in the like uh, New York uh, like primary uh, the other day, um, where it's like you don't win by like winning over sort of like un you know unrepentant racists. You win by like turning out people who don't think anything, like, rightfully think the system doesn't work for them. Like you, you turn out non-voters and that's how you win. Because yeah. like the sort of like rich reactionaries, they have at least one candidate they can vote for yeah. in their like class interests. Right. Yeah.
3: And there are like five of them.
2: Yeah. yeah there are like five rich people. Five.
1: Why would you expect they're going to be
3: electorally? <laughs> yeah. It's
2: like, that's why rich people vote because their interests are like, you know, like they're on the ballot paper.
1: Yeah. Let's, uh, let's make socialism work for people who own jet ski dealerships.
3: Twenty five cc socialism. Hell yeah. I don't understand how big well, an engine. is. automated luxury gay space jet skis. <laughs> I don't understand how big an engine is. Is twenty five cc big? No. no. Do not. Like, me. I mean, it's small for a motorbike. I don't know about jet skis. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know anything about jet skis or motorbikes. Do not message me. Um,
2: like about these the message about, about like, that. the Trump comparisons. So like during. Like during Trump's like election campaign, though his like actual you know like devil in the details uh, economic plan was like incredibly like right wing and like favoured you know rich people basically. Like his rhetoric was like he just like kept on talking about like jobs, 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 jobs. Like was Rob Ford the same? Not the Rob Ford, the, his brother, Doug Ford, right? Doug Ford, yeah. Like was that a thing, or was he just like did he just pick up the sort of like racism and then run with it basically?
4: Yeah, I mean, so there is that sort of like small P populism of, uh, you know, let's make Ontario great again, all that kind of stuff. Although I would say that for Ford, it was more like Ford is more conventionally conservative, I suppose, than than Trump in that. Like he talks a lot about like the deficit and shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's <laughs> That's so
2: laughable. Oh, so he's a nerd, basically. <laughs> yeah,
4: like, Yeah, it was all just like government spending is out of control and we have to cut the deficit you know like it, it initially it looked like um the you know the right in this province was going to run like a much more kind of like i don't know culturally kind of kind of culturally oriented campaign where they were going to complain about political correctness and stuff but then they got cold feet on that so they reverted to that hallowed conservative theme spending being out of control and the provincial the, but, but, deficit
3: but that's the thing you got to remember right like is that every is that of all three countries in which we're interested the states canada and the uk um, all all of these all of these parties fuck you, australia <laughs> all of these parties will pick something to run on whether it's the deficit whether it's I, i'm i'm angry that you know there's more than one brown person in my neighborhood and they're not just wearing a turban and being a stereotype or whether it's like oh I, I, my kids hate me or whatever the right wing parties run on one of those And every time they get into power, they do the same thing, which is jack up the deficit, blow a hole in the budget, and engage in a massive wealth transfer to the wealthiest, like, two people in society. to jack up and blow.
4: (laughs) Oh, yeah. And, you know, actually, like, with Ford, he's been very nonspecific about how he's going to eliminate the deficit. Like, they didn't release a proper platform. The one thing that they were not cagey on was all the taxes they're going to cut. So, you know, it's like they're... the one thing they'll be upfront about is like, here, rich people, here's all the money you're going to have if you elect us.
2: So where's like the Ontario left in this? Because it's so obviously, it's like 2018, you know, like left or right. Like you don't want to be like, oh, populism of the left, populism of the right. Cause they're like qualitatively different things, but like there isn't the sort of like, oh, we'll cut the deficit. Like doesn't really cut it, it unless there's like no real opposition. So like where is like the only, I mean, I know, like, two Canadian people, and I both asked them, like, what's happening with the Canadian left? They both said, I don't really follow the Canadian left. So, like, what's happening with that?
4: Well, actually, you know, the Ontario election was kind of encouraging because the the Ontario NDP, which is the Social Democratic Party, actually came pretty close to winning the election. They finished just a few points behind uh, the Conservatives, and The so the Ontario has been governed basically by like technocratic West Wing liberals since 2003. (laughs) And um, they spoiled the election by basically in the last two weeks when they realized that they were finished and they were going to finish with like their worst result in 100 years. They pivoted to sort of this hard right like union bashing thing where they basically said that, you know, uh, on one side of us, we have like the conservatives who will cut and on the other side, we have the NDP who will let the unions run the province? Whereas, like, if you if you elect us, we will guarantee to crush the striking teaching teaching assistants at like York University and like, you know. So they kind of they, they kind of decided the they out. wanted <laughs> to drag everyone else down with their failing political brand, and that is kind of what helped Ford uh, get get by and uh, win the election, which was I very just, frustrating. I, I d-
3: I, I love, I love, I love the Ontario Liberal Party and the way oh. it's like. You know how we're going to excite people by
1: reminding well, well, tr- me that it's Trinity not worth... college. want to like be a at that debate
4: of the Ontario Liberal Party anyway.
1: I want to be at that debate where it's like it's like Doug Ford going cut the deficit, and then it's the Ontario left is going like better living standards for everyone, and it's like and now from the Ontario Liberal Party Skeletor. Crush them,
3: <laughs> crush
1: them all.
3: Yeah, well, it's, so like, they it's like, like Trudeau's boys, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's all the liberals. I like this
1: Skeledor guy. It's, <laughs> like, it's
3: like he's like it's like it's like it's like the Ontario Liberals. Like they only—that's right—they only appeal to West Wing nerds because they're like, no, both sides are wrong and riven with ideology. Politics isn't something you should get excited about. It's something that should be left to the professionals. And their great campaign slogan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the ironically named Kathleen Wynne. <laughs> um <laughs>
0: essentially has has just handed the election to Doug Ford because like liberals
3: lose
1: way am I right? Because,
0: because... I think the thing that we haven't spoken about is the only person who can stop the Ford the Ford dynasty, and that's the, the number one six god Drake, right? Like I feel like <laughs> that's that's gonna be like that's effectively Toronto politics for you know the next decade. It's gonna be the fight between like Degrassi Alumni and the Ford dynasty.
1: Yo, uh, Skaldor doesn't even respect his mother.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a uh, it's a Drake Peterson
2: uh, like run next time, right?
1: Oh, and Drake yeah. and I are going to return balance there's to so, Ontario. There's,
0: there's so many weird people coming out of Toronto. And like, I'm I'm um, I'm Canadian, but I come from Vancouver, right? I don't think there's actually that like many interesting people in Vancouver anymore. All like all the all the interesting Canadian people seem to be coming from uh from Toronto now. Um, who are, there, which who I are mean, the
4: interesting Canadian people? So Jordan Peterson, Drake. Can you name a third um, besides myself, of course? Uh, Justin Bieber. Um, yeah, uh, he's
3: he's interesting.
4: No,
1: he, yeah. he, he, left league,
2: uh, he left Toronto years ago, didn't he? He's yeah, for yeah. Everyone, he's everyone
1: leaves Toronto. Toronto.
0: <laughs> Brian Adams. Alanis Morissette, she's gonna be the one yeah. who will make everything okay. <laughs> Isn't that what ironic? When you when you vote
3: when you vote for the left, but all you get is a reactionary fat guy. As the, as the liberal candidate is crushed by ten thousand spoons.
0: <laughs> has, um, has has Jordan Peterson like endorsed Rob Ford at all? Or not Rob the Doug Ford. I mean has he I, also endorsed oh, yeah, Rob yeah. Ford? <laughs> <laughs> High IQ. (laughs) Incredibly big
2: big energy. (laughs) When you're smoking that much coke, you like have to clean your room. Smoking that coke.
3: (laughs) Okay. So actually it's a slightly serious question. Based on the fact that like the actual left in Ontario experienced a huge surge um, at the expense of the liberals and stalling the conservatives, if not beating them, what do you think the Ontario left has to do in the next couple of years of living in, you know, austerity Tory hellscape?
4: I think like, I think more of the same uh, and just maybe get a little bit angrier because, you know, the campaign was very good in terms of proposing like, you know, it's, you know in some ways, uh, not unlike Labour's campaign, right? Like uh, in, in 2017, like, you know, if you elect us, big, big new social programs, like the way you deal with. Cost of living crisis is you give people better services you don't cut things Um, I think like like if I had a friendly criticism I would say I wish the campaign had amped up sort of the anger directed at like Ontario's elites because I think if if the left doesn't do that then it's left to kind of politicians like Ford who are members of the elite they they get to cannibalize that language and I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's helpful
1: yeah. It's really exciting that He-Man just won the primary.
4: <laughs> <laughs> right, and, and
3: I feel like, but that's what we've been, I, I feel a real sense of that's kind of what's been going well for labor here is that, there, is, that, is that we are able to name a malefactor. We are able to decide what's evil and we're able to sort of cast nuance aside and make a strong moral stand quite simply just for what's right. And, they, it, and and what that enables us to do is shed the sort of liberal fiction that the ideal political party gets a hundred percent of the vote, um, and that we are able to say to conservative voters, "We don't want you, we're not interested in caping to you, and what we're going to do is marginalize your voice as much as we can and make it so that you don't matter." The ideal political party represents a hundred percent of my boat dealership. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, that was like when in the I mean. I know it's like very you know like British leftist to like relate everything to like the twenty seventeen Labour uh, campaign. I mean, look, but we can like, either relate
3: everything yeah. to the twenty sixteen primary in the U.S. or relate everything to the twenty seventeen <laughs> Labour with campaign. Her. Still <laughs> <with her. laughs> no, that's what it is. It's America. It's that's the twenty twenty when they run Hil- when they run Hillary in twenty twenty. Guys, we relate everything to England winning the World Cup. Now that's the thing. <laughs> No, but it's it's one one thing i want to get back to is that is that the thing is and this is i think a lesson we've learned from the last three elections that we could talk about we learned it in 2016 in the states we right, learned we learned it in 2017 here we learned oh, it we in tw- won. we learned it <laughs> <laughs> i mean corbin is the prime minister right he yeah, is yeah, prime no, minister that's what i had um and I think we also learned he's doing it. a very bad job. If he's <laughs> <laughs> he's allowing Teresa May to hang out with the cabinet, we also and we also are learning that from 2018 in Ontario, which is that we will is that the is that the liberals have to convince the reactionaries to get on side because the liberals actually have something to offer the reactionaries, which is we're going to cape to you and we're going Marine to diesel, we're going to give you whatever basically whatever it is that you want, but. That when you don't cape to the reactionaries, you can achieve you can achieve electoral upset. And whether that is and whether that is uh, producing an uncommonly strong primary performance in 2016 against a shoe in candidate, whether that is reducing a a minority government by surging up in the poll, uh, reducing the Tories to a minority government by surging up in the polls as Corbyn did, or by coming from behind as Andrea Howarth of the NDP did in Ontario, that what we have to do is strengthen and double down on this strategy and not try to abandon it. Because what has failed is not the left. What has failed is liberalism. It's a failed experiment and it has to be done away with entirely because their entire worldview has been discredited. Bring back gulag. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I, I mean, the thing that the liberals have to give the reactionaries is the fact they share the same economic platform. The thing they differ with is whether they prefer, like, Wall Street bankers or, like, Silicon Valley te- technocrats, basically. Like, yeah. they, they have yeah they have the same platform. This is, like, we see it in the, like, EU debate as well, where, like, you had a load of, like, you know, very, very, like, pro-EU Labour MPs going in for, like, crazy, like free trade deals, like literally the other day, um, you know, like, and these are the people who are like fronting like the single market campaign. Um, they basically, you know, it's like Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Like there's like a matter of extremes, but like they both shared a broadly liberal economic, uh, right.
4: And it's like one of them represented finance and one of them represented real estate. Big whoop. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's it's of
3: the of the of the sort of extractive oligarchy that we live in. They represent two wings of extraction. But it is only SpaceX who can save the trap boys. Um, so <laughs> I kind of want to... like so. The only the only Doug Ford policy I'm actually familiar with is that he's going to make it legal to have a buck a beer again. He's going to make it legal to sell one dollar tins. Oh, okay, I thought oh, that was right. like I was like some weird like Canadian. I don't really know how that
4: works, but that's one of those <laughs> things that like. I feel like the conservatives kind of only do it because it instantly makes, like, centrist newspaper columnists write about, like, their populist credentials. Like, there's this weird symbiosis between, uh, you know, conservatives who want to be seen as, like, the party of the people and, uh, like, centrist newspaper columnists or whatever because... Like all Doug Ford has to do, he says folks a lot. That's the running joke because he always says folks and he's going to make it so you can buy a tall can of beer for $1. And then that's enough to make like, you know, every columnist be like, oh my God, he's like a pro whisperer. He has powers <laughs> that are beyond our understanding.
1: It's like the man from Del Monte of politicians.
3: No, it's like, it's, it's like, it's all he has to do to take it one step further is going to be like, everybody, I'm not going to legalize drugs, but I'm going to make it a buck of heroin. He's just
1: trying to get the leftists on side. It's like, Hey, it's it's a horrible right wing reactionary platform, but $1 beer. And the leftists have to be like, well, it's got (laughs) something. (laughs) It's it's like a can. that stuff. It's going to
3: make podcasting cheaper. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) And as we know,
0: everyone in Toronto is a podcaster. So
3: (laughs) no, no one in Toronto is a podcaster. Podcasting subsidy. was the
0: only
1: podcaster
3: and he left. (laughs) So before we, before we close out, um, what, From your experience of sort of this this election and this kind of horrible troll winning, what does the we say the the Canadian left has to do more of the same? But if you're listening to this and you're in Canada, um, and you're you know you 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 take off your headphones after hearing this, what can you do over the next like day, week, month?
4: Well, uh, besides podcasting, I would say. One of the the things that was, I think, notable about the NDP's campaign here is that there were a lot of kind of um, social movements and activists adjacent to it. One of the big ones in Ontario has been the Fight for 15 campaign, which kind of is modeled on uh, the American one, which, you know, in the last, in the sort of dying, like, I don't know, road to Damascus days of the liberal government, actually, you know, these kind of activists made the liberals... Change labor legislation in some really positive ways, things like that. We uh, we got a, a fifteen dollars minimum wage, although Ford is going to cancel the phase in, so we're going to be stuck at fourteen dollars. Um, so I would say get involved in in groups like that. Um, the the big thing in Canada is like like we don't have to we don't have like a super neoliberal party that's nominally on the left that has to be like taken back instead what we have at the federal level is like you know a centrist party that people think is like a left-wing party and that works really really hard to convince people that it's like this super progressive thing um with like you know a woke prime minister and all that and like
1: persuading dissuading
4: please. people of of that and pointing out the you know the extremely not progressive things the trudeau liberals are doing I think that's got to be a project for the next uh, for the next few years. Oh
3: hell yeah! Well, well, maybe 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 we this podcast that's primarily listened to by Brits and Americans can can do a little something about that with more Trudeau content. Invade Canada. <laughs> <laughs> the galaxy
1: brainist option.
0: No, I'm just sit sa- down. I'm yeah, down. you know, we send this. We send this to Drake, get him to like do a mixtape. It'll be good. <laughs> we, <laughs> get, we get
1: David Davis to lead. You know, <laughs> yeah. lead you know Drake contributes.
0: So there was a vice. There was a vice uh, news bit this week about how like Drake contributes like four percent of all like economic growth. He was responsible for like four percent of all economic growth in Toronto. You um, need
3: to diversify from Drake, <laughs> and it's
0: and it's, all, and it's all and it's all been driven by like like random tourists who want to like take the photo the same like photo of him as the cover of like the take care album and they all like want to like you know sit on blue screen so they look like um they're sitting on the CN Tower. Uh, um it's not the CN Tower, it's the uh, CN Tower's in Seattle isn't it? No oh, CN Toronto? Okay. There's another tower, there's another tower. Ta- Space another- Needle. I mean, what like what
2: the leftist response to that would be would be to reinvest that Drake money into um, like starting SoundCloud rappers, <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> redistribute yeah, well, the Drake we need, to the masses. We need, need Takashi four one six.
1: Who are these people who like Drake? I swear, like if Drake was a contestant on Love Island, he'd get voted off in like week one. <laughs>
3: yeah. Luke, do you want to do you want to link a couple of these organizations that people might be able to join uh, in the description of the so- of the song? Of this song that we've been singing, of this episode.
4: I'll send you guys some. uh, But yeah, 15, in fairness, uh, you know, a lot of... uh, I'm only really familiar with the Toronto chapter, but Black Lives Matter does a lot of really good work in Ontario. Um, And then, of course, there's my podcast, which is the most important part of the Vanguard. Do I get to put that at some point?
3: I was going to say, where where can people find you on the internet, including on the... uh, Apple podcasting app or wherever they like to download podcasts. Mm. (laughs)
4: Um, So I can be found at Luke W. Savage on Twitter. Um, I have a podcast called Michael and us that uh, started as a novelty. Michael Moore podcast, uh, believe it or not. Um, It's kind of like looking back at looking at like present day politics through the lens of like bad early two thousands liberalism, which works surprisingly well. We just la- launched a Patreon yesterday, so check that out. And uh, if you want to hear our interpretation of Star Wars The Last Jedi as a liberal retelling of the 2016 election, uh, give us your money.
3: Yeah, it's available on LimeWire. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to call someone on your flip phone. Uh, I mean, that's just pure Keys to the hit VIP us up on, Hit
1: us up on eMule.
3: <laughs> no, uh, you can find us um, as contestants on Keys to the VIP.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> we're on all the major platforms <laughs> Spotify, iTunes, Keys to the VIP <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> alright um, so uh, thank you very much Luke for, uh, for dialing in with us today this has been a joy as ever
4: thanks guys this was fun a real transatlantic collaboration absolutely oh, yeah. a pleasure. thanks to
3: Fraser for bringing the big sack of cans no worries uh, and thanks to you guys for just being yourselves hell yeah always All right, Uh, and thanks finally to uh, Jinsang, our themes, who provides our theme song. You can find on Spotify. It is called "Here We Go," and uh, commodify your descent with a T-shirt from Lil Comrade.
1: Yeah,
2: I'm thinking of buying one of those uh, "Tech Won't Save You" T-shirts she does, and then definitely not wearing it to work at the tech startup that I work at.